What's going on, everybody? And welcome to episode number 23 of the Lunch Hour Sports Show. It's our Jordan app, Dan. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually, I'd been meaning to watch this and then I forgot about it. And then it was like Friday night, just like, I'm going to watch a movie. Um, and then it hit me again. Oh, I was meaning to watch that. Um, and finally sat down and watched Air. Have you ever watched it? I, I saw it last summer. Good movie. Yeah, I did not realize it had been that long <laughs> since it had been out. But I finally got around to watching it. And I, I yeah, I was like, that's just a good film right it's there. A good, solid movie. Yeah. You know, there's some stinkers out there, but I was like, that's just, that's a good movie. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was one of my favorites that came out last year. It made the, um, did, did you know that I do a, uh, I, I call it the Danny's. I do the, uh, the top five movies of the year that I saw. I've <laughs> I been doing this, this every the year Danny's. since 2015. Hang on. <laughs> oh, so you're you're coming up on a on a decade of Danny's. Yeah, the Danny's tenth anniversary is coming up. Let's see. We should do a black tie event. Yeah, we should, dude. Uh, Oppenheimer came in at number one for me. Mm. Um, Air was number five. Okay, so it yeah. made it into the Danny's. It made it into the Danny's for sure. Yeah. Did you have a a Barbenheimer in your top five? Uh, I did not see Barbie last year. So, so it was omitted from the Danny's. It was omitted. I did not think <laughs> that it would pull well with me. <laughs> Didn't think the the voters were quite no well equipped to vote on such a film. They had no interest. I heard. Sure. I heard for the people that it was made for that it was very well done. So, I'm glad for that. It's just you know, so it didn't. It did not qualify for yeah. for a Danny. It, it was just not in the. It did not meet the requirements. I have to want to see it. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I didn't see the new John Wick last year. I was just like, I just don't. I'm just not interested. I don't know. Just not interested. So it's hard to get a seat at the table. But yeah, it it's, it. it's, it's that's how exclusive. Yeah, the Dannys are. I mean, mm-hmm. Dan watches what, ten to twenty movies a year. Oh no, like eight. <laughs> so. See. See, so I've seen maybe eight. We're to talking 10. eight movies, and and five are getting Danny's. So if yeah. you get in, your odds are good. But you exactly. just got to get. It's like the college football playoff. You just got to get in to yeah. get a chance. And, Absolutely. Um, getting in is the hard part. Mm-hmm. Man, well, that's great. That that's good to know. But I, I did enjoy it um, nonetheless. And ahead of our Jordan episode, so it felt right. It wasn't why I watched it, but it was a pleasant discovery when we were getting ready to record here tonight. So, um, yeah, Dan, that, that was a little bit of my weekend. Do you have anything exciting going on, anything enjoyable in Dan's land? I got a new football coach. You did? Yeah. Raheem's well, back. I, I got an old football coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, you know, old but new. Is um, well, What's old is new again, yeah. 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 Um. I'm thrilled with this. I I think um, I don't think it was the best hire we could have made, but it was a very good one. Um, sure. It just anything but Belichick. I I I was just like yes, thank you. Um. I started. I really Mike Vrabel was at the top of the list for me, but uh, when he started throwing things out there like uh, Arthur Smith's coming with me, I was like yeah, that, that's um. Unless everyone in the Falcons front office just wants to get real cool about some stuff really quickly. Uh, this is cool. <laughs> this is probably not going to work out. 
Yeah, that would have been super awkward. Yeah, I don't know. So weird. I know that the NFL is is the professionals league, but you there's that's a different level of professionalism that I don't know any of us have embarked on mm-hmm. to fire him and be like, hey, well, you could just come on as OC and you know keep just get a different office and not be the head coach anymore. But yeah. you know, hard feelings. You just stick yeah. around and and hang out. Yeah wasn't going to work. But uh yeah, Raheem. Uh Raheem's just an awesome guy. He's I love the guy. Uh everybody who plays for him loves him. Um he knows Arthur Blank. He knows you know how the Falcons like to do things. He's very familiar with everything. Uh he's already bringing on some OCs and DCs from the Rams. Um I I'm excited. He's just bringing the whole staff. I yeah, just feel like I get a notification a day that's like Falcons hire Rams, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, you know, I mean, maybe Sean McVay's now. available. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where you put him now, but. Bring him back home. He can what, play quarterback. What, there you go. Yeah. I mean, look, seriously, seriously think about this. Would you take another year of Desmond Ritter or Sean McVay? Dude, Sean McVay at Marist High School, pretty good. <laughs> he's, well, he and he's play. in great shape still. I mean, he's still he could, got it. Yeah. yeah. He's, I would take him. At least give him a, an invite to camp. Let him go out there and sling it around a little. Give him a workout. Give him a workout. See what he's got. Yeah. I mean, what do you have to lose? Yeah. You're, you're not going to get a better general on the field of course than not. a previous head coach. Yeah. The, the Belichick hype definitely seemed to dwindle within like 24 hours. It just kind of went yeah. downhill quick. Um I think a lot of Falcons brass realized if this guy comes here, I will not have a job. So this cannot happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we know that Bill likes to have so much control mm-hmm. when it comes to the personnel decisions and kind of more of a, a coach GM type deal. And it didn't seem like there was a mutual agreement on how that was going to shake out. Yeah. So, yeah. which. To some degree, you're thinking it's Bill Belichick, let him do what he does. But on the other hand, you're like, think about how the Patriots have drafted the last six, seven years. Um, We might be okay without him. (laughs) Yeah, well, and you know, the team in general has been building and working towards things, and then now you just kind of like throw in somebody of a totally different Mm -hmm. mindset, totally different strategy and approach, and... That's just everything you've been building. It's just like you're you're, you're gonna say, oh well, we're just gonna almost start fresh, and that's mm-hmm. with a coach who's seventy one. Like, if just for the coaching aspect, yeah. But if you have to take everything, probably just wasn't the best fit. And probably not. Yeah, worked out well for everybody. I was happy with what we made. It was definitely a culture move, and uh, I love Raheem. I'm glad to have him back. We should probably never left, never let him go anyway. Um, but uh, should we touch on Harbaugh for a sec? I don't think we got to talk about that last week. No, no, yeah. we have not. He's officially a Charger. Yeah. I don't He's think coming. anyone was surprised. <laughs> no, it's so odd to have such big news. Breaking news, yeah. And yeah, everybody be like, wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. He's just, you know, he's coming back home yet again. He's just going to bring success to all of his previous football homes. I think he's going to do a great job, but it's going to take a year or two. I think um, 
that roster needs a little bit of um, retooling, <laughs> and it's going to take a couple draft classes and, and things of that degree. Yeah, exactly. So I think a great spot for him to land overall. He's got some work to do, but it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we've been hearing the Harbaugh back to the NFL rumblings for quite some time, and now it's happened. So um, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I mean, it's Harbaugh with another blue and gold football team. So part of the recipe's there. What could go wrong on the rest? Yeah, exactly. Um, and with that, we won't go through like a whole carousel, but um, Shamar Moore now officially taken over at Michigan, mm-hmm. and I don't think that surprised any of us. But no, yeah, it's it the was, news. Yeah, it was definitely like it, it, even before the news broke, it was like, well, Jerome Moore's right there. So if Harbaugh does decide to go, I don't think anyone's too upset about it. Yeah. Sorry, and uh, yeah, apologies to um, Sharon. That's oh, no, on me. You're good. No worries. Coach Moore. Names are there. Um, but yeah, I was seeing lists of like top 10 Michigan candidates, and it was just no. Saban. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Saban's boogie boarding at the beach right now, oh, okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's, he is out of pocket. He's not coming back. Forget about it. So, um, sorry, Michigan fans, but. I'm curious to see the Ohio State-Michigan dynamic now because I think Michigan made the most consistent hire to continue what they've been doing. Yeah. But these past few years with Harbaugh and Michigan have been kind of the the boogeyman to Ohio State. So, I don't know. I'm really curious to see what happens now if Ryan Day kind of gets over that hump because Ohio State has been making some moves as well. They've been – I think they overtook Ole Miss for the Portal National Championship. Yeah, man, that that Caleb Downs news was um, upsetting, but yeah, they really swooped in there late, and they got Judkins, and they got uh, mm-hmm. you know if if Will Howard's not the guy, they got Julian Sayan. I mean, they've it, that one, yeah, that's huge. I I don't understand how the Alabama to Ohio State pipeline just opened up when Saban left, but it sure did. It sure did. So yeah, that could be a problem. Um, but we'll see. It'll be interesting to see for sure. So we yeah, shall see. Um, Harbaugh back in the NFL, and and he is uh, well bearing the lead a little bit. He he's not chasing his brother for another ring, uh, at least not this year. Yeah. So. Yeah. But before that, Dan, you got to update us on some on a little bit of chaos down under. A little bit, a little bit of chaos, a little bit of chaos. Um, on the women's side, Arena Sabalenka. Grabbed her next major championship. Uh, it was either her second or her third. I'm, I'm blanking. But uh, took down Coco in in the semifinal. That was the one that I was like, Coco's got to win that one. If she can win that one, she's basically won the tournament. But uh, Sabalenka uh, plays with a lot of power and just kind of outlasted her. Um, so she was able to get it. So congrats to her. Coco, I, w- what I like to see out of Coco is that she's making – fifth, sixth, seventh rounds into tournaments consistently. That's that's more so important than winning majors. Um, that was what uh, Federer went through a weird lull early in his career where he either won the title or he got bounced in the second round. And he, and he, mm. he talked a lot about his frustration. He's like, I just want to get in the quarters on a consistent basis. 
first. Sure. And then well, let's I mean, worry about Realistically, winning. you're not going to win every single one of them. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Yannick Sinner, the four seed, took on Joker in the semi. And honestly, outside of one set, Yannick Sinner blasted him off the court. Like, Oh, dude, those first two sets, I mean, not not close. No, it was not close. It was one six two. I mean, yeah. Come on, center. So I had a lot of coaches tell me, you know, when I was playing up and coming, they would talk about this this idea called a rhythm of aggression, and I Mm -hmm. never fully understood that until later. But what it is is not. um, It's not being like all gas, no breaks, you know, let it fly every shot all the time. It's just a, a calm, a calm state where you can play loose enough, but fast enough. You're like middle gear. Your middle gear is faster than your Mm. opponent's top gear. Like if you, if you can just get to that point where you're calm and loose enough, you're controlled and, and like tempered on the inside, but on the outside, you are, you're swinging for the fences but you're loose enough that you're controlling that. That's what Sinner was doing. I, I saw him just kind of a – he kind of went to like a like a monk state almost of just like just letting some forehands rip. And, and he was – he's really flexible, and he was able to turn on some of those backhands in some ways that Djokovic was not expecting. Um, those two are very similar players. A lot of people have compared – Alcaraz to Nadal, Sinner to Djokovic, and they're saying these are the next two guys. And Sinner kind of out Djokovic to Djokovic in a way. Oof. Like he just he really just took the the pace of the match to a whole other level. And Djokovic was just off a little bit that he just he couldn't keep up. He he started to get he started to get back into a rhythm in the third set, but then Sinner Sinner was just feeling it, man. And he and Sinner is good enough. People have been saying it for years now. He has enough talent that if he ever figures out how to win matches at a clip at a high level, he this is a guy who can win somewhere between 10 to 20 majors. He's he's very 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 good. He's only 22. Wow. Um, so I think we just saw a a star rise in the game. Um I don't think Center's going away for a long time. A little bit of a coming out party for him here. Oh yeah, for sure. Man. Well, I mean, and you've talked about it here before that tennis is kind of going through this change of the guard mm. with Federer hanging it up. You know, Dahl's not official, but we know it's coming at some point. Yeah. Um, Djokovic is still in there and he's still playing great, but his days are numbered in some respect. I will say Djokovic has has declines ever so slightly a little bit in the past couple of years. He's sure. Now he's, that's from just like the stratosphere. Like you oh, brought yeah. him back down <laughs> into our atmosphere a little bit. <laughs> when you're like, yeah, absolutely. Anything would be a reasonable decline from, you know, the level of play he was at just two, three years ago. I mean, yeah. dude's ridiculous. Um, exactly. But between center and, and Alcaraz, it looks like, we, you know, there's some, some guys here, I mean, 22 and 20 years old. Yeah. And I definitely watch Medvedev, the guy center beat in the final is not going away either. Um, he's already got a major. He's good. He's going to get, he's going to pick up some more. I think those three that I think you can expect those three guys to be the next big three, um, to kind of come in. But, uh, 
Yeah, it was an exciting tournament. Um, not if you're a, a male American fan of tennis, because we only got one guy in the quarters. That was that wasn't great. Yeah, uh, smacked as well. So yeah, Djokovic Djokovic took him to the cleaners. That was not good. Um, but yeah, it was. I was really happy for Sinner. Sinner is um is one of those guys. He's just um he really plays the game right. He he's very humble. He's very calm, but he. When you step into those white lines with him, it's it's the gloves are off. Like he's he will make you look silly. Um, but he has a really nice, um, just kind of he carries himself really well. I I like to see guys like that uh, succeed. So I'm really happy for him. Although um, you know down in our neck of the woods in the Bible Belt, he's not gonna pick up a lot of fans because of that last name. But uh, you no, know. no no yeah. no no no, not gonna go well. No. Um. <laughs> The first time you mentioned his name to me, I mean, it's he's Italian, you know, so yeah. like in my mind, I had some kind of spelling. I didn't really know what to expect, but like what you were saying and what the word, the letters I was seeing in my head were different than yeah. that. And then whenever oh. we were previewing this, I looked up and I was like, oh no, it, it's spelled just like that. Yeah. I, I always thought it was like Sine or something like that, like, like an Italian, yeah. like, but no, he's, it's Sinner. You gotta pray yeah. for him. That sinner. That's Lord. His heart will be very blessed. Lord help by all the southeastern tennis moms <laughs> out there. That's right. Bless his heart. Ooh. Well, um, and, and Dan, before we move on, this isn't even in the outline, but because we're talking international sports. Oh um, yeah, of course we have to talk about this. Jurgen Klopp, our fearless leader, stepping down at the end of this season. I mean, you know, it's that bittersweet thing of... I mean, you, you've you been following him for so long. We've had so much time together, Dan. <laughs> All the memories with Jurgen. <laughs> All the memories. These I, past few months have been something special. But I'm just going to say, ever since I've been a Liverpool fan, the club's been pr- playing pretty well. Pretty so, good ball. P- pretty good footy. Yeah. You know, um, there may or may not be some correlation and causation happening there. Um but from a weird newbie perspective to the Premier League, I mean, he's been there eight years and um, taking them to the heights oh, yeah. of football. And I mean, they were, it's going to be two, weird. Two years removed from a Champions League final appearance. I yeah. mean, he's a. Exactly. And I like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, you just got here. I mean, I've only been watching Premier League soccer for like three or four years now, so like I'm still. Oh, kind you're of, you're totally right to say that, Dan. Yeah. You're totally right to say it. Well, I'm kind of a newbie too, but I, Jurgen Klopp is just even. I'm not. I'm not a fan of his club, but he's so likable. He's he's a cool dude. He's a good guy, and uh, yeah, I think he uh, he kind of went into detail of the decision, and and it's completely understandable. Um, yeah. So wish the best for him, but. Kind of gonna miss having him around. He's just a good. He's a good coach, good guy, um, class act. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It was very awkward and conflicting to see Brian Callahan quoting Jurgen Klopp in his introductory press conference for the Tennessee Titans. It was just like yeah, that oh, was okay. weird for you. That was it was very odd for me. <laughs> yeah, very interesting combination of worlds there. I, I wonder um, how many Liverpool Red and Tennessee Titan fans out there were going through what you were going through. <laughs> let me tell you, man, all 15 of us were really feeling interesting. <laughs> I don't think there's that many. I think it probably <laughs> did overshoot a little bit. <laughs> hey, you rounded up. 
my hope is just like English transplants that are living in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> at some corporate job. I'm thinking there's me and then there's 14 of those types of guys. Yep. Hanging out somewhere. And y'all all have a very different definition of biscuits. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Oh, man. Dan, speaking of hot chicken, um, let's go ahead and talk about Championship Sunday and, uh, and let's start in the bird. AFC with a, with another fried bird. Yep. You, you were catching my drift the whole time, man. Oh, yeah. I was on to your, I was on to your antics there. Um, Chiefs 17, Ravens 10, AFC Championship. What a crappy game. I was so mad. I didn't get to watch this whole game, and I was still so mad. This was not a fun game to watch. <laughs> no. This was not. Um, Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. We're here now. Like, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are now the Brady Patriots. Like, they're just – you don't know why they're winning, but they are. And um, part of me wants to – I do like the Chiefs to some degree, but I, do I will not. say I don't. It's this year has been hard to like the Chiefs. <laughs> it's it's we're, we're, I was pretty impartial until this weekend, and now oh, really? I'm like, yeah, now I, I just want them to lose. Now this weekend specifically, okay. Yeah, this weekend specifically. Oh, okay, interesting. The th- this could be so weird for me. Like I'm not a Ravens guy, you know, or anything. But the whole deal with Justin Tucker. I was just like, guys, what are you doing? That wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. I was like, that's just like, you guys are acting like eighth graders. Yeah, I saw that. That was Out on the playground. Like, that was just so annoying. Like, grow up. I just, I don't know. That really rubbed me the wrong way. And it was one thing to, like, do it once, but then to just, like, repeatedly do it and just toss it and chunk it. And I don't know Justin Tucker Tucker personally. So, here's what I was going to say about that. Justin Tucker loves to troll. Well, sure. There could have been some of that going on beforehand, but at, at the same time, it's like it's the kicker. Like, it's the kicker. What do you expect him to do? He's having fun. Like, he's. Yeah, you know. I mean, okay. So, and I, I just saw the video. That's literally it. I don't know anything about what Tucker was saying or what he was doing. I have no idea. He likes but to it just talk. Felt he he likes to talk, and I'm here well, for it. I love it. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, but I don't know. It's one thing just to talk and jaw around, but then, like, yeah. what do you do? Like, if he goes over to Patrick Mahomes' helmet and throws it on the sideline, like, what's going to happen then? Yeah. That's a I national mean, story. Yeah. Yeah. It just it just felt immature and dumb to me. It is. And they are again, very immature. They are very immature. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, like, you think Kelsey, I don't know, kind of cool guy or whatever, but not, it just. Nah, I'm out on Kelsey. I was Kelsey. over it. I'm out on Kelsey. It. It's, he's yeah. on too many commercials. I'm tired of it. People people complain about seeing Taylor Swift too much. I'm seeing Travis Kelsey too much, dude. Like, yeah, I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick yeah. of it. I think the seed was planted with that Netflix quarterbacks documentary, mm-hmm. and it just like opened our eyes. It was like an it was illuminating to us what we were not seeing this whole time. And yeah. I'm just like, no, nah, this guy's a jerk. I just don't like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now I know he loves that. You know, like this is this is fueling the whole run that they're on. But yeah. it is pretty annoying. Well, say what you want to say about what the Chiefs did, but to me, this game was more so about what the Ravens didn't do. Um, I'm sad. They really – I don't know what happened. That first three and out, and they just decided to bail on their game plan. The Ravens this season have run on 48% of plays from the line of scrimmage. Yesterday, 28%. How does that happen? Lamar Jackson passed 37 times. He only ran eight times. That's that is not, not- – 
This is not the Baltimore Ravens that got here. No. What did we read last week? Was it like 22 attempts against the Texans? He threw 22 times, completed okay. 16. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, he ran for exactly 100 yards. That's that's Ravens football. That's that's what they're supposed to do. And I understand you can't do that completely against this this front that the Chiefs boast with Chris Jones and all those guys. But, like, you don't have to completely – you shouldn't be passing Lamar 40 times a game. That's not – that's not how this – I don't know. Yeah, the Ravens just panicked. They really panicked. And it stinks because their defense played an awesome game. They mm-hmm. did their job. Yeah. They, they really held the did Chiefs their... to 17. I know. They didn't score the entire second half. That's yeah. all you can ask them to do. I know. They they like, did everything they could. and They didn't score at all, and you only got a field goal out of it. I mean, what do you – you got to do something. I know. And for the Chiefs, the Chiefs won time of possession. They had thirty. They had the ball for thirty-seven minutes and thirty seconds. They had the ball for that long, and they only scored seventeen points. That's insane. It it was insane. I mean, but, um, props to the Ravens defense. Like, yeah, they were awesome, dude. Um, it, it, to me, this this game is not like a well. Look, Lamar couldn't do it. This was just they were using Lamar the wrong way. Like yeah, that, just do what you've been up doing. I know. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It was not broken. It was not broken. I don't know. I don't know why they um, they bailed. But yeah, they uh, they and they also just made all the mistakes. They made all the mistakes. Yeah. They had five more penalties. They had they lost the turnover battle by three. Um, they really they couldn't sustain drives, and it came back to bite them in the end. And the Chiefs do get credit. They were more. They were a little more patient. They were a little more taken what the defense gave them, what little was there. They were willing to stick to the run. They were willing to throw some outlet screens and and just kind of build drives from there. They didn't get like too big play happy. And I feel like uh, this is the second week in a row that the team that has played the Chiefs looked at their quarterback and said, "You alone have to win this game for us." And it's just like you can't expect. And that's what's even more frustrating is that the Ravens aren't built like that. They're yeah. so. They're totally not built to just rely completely on Lamar, and they still did. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Um, bad well, game and, from and Todd Munkin, I have to say. Like that was not a good showing. Sure. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what caused the shift compared to what they they've been doing. I don't um, either. All year it was weird, and and you touched on it. I mean you give up the ball three times and the other team doesn't give it up at all. That's not going to go well. No. And, um, and turnovers like in, in just bad situations. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, they lost this game by a touchdown and that fumble, fumble from Zay the- flowers down there yep. was, I mean, that's the, that's the difference in at least time the game right mm-hmm. there. Um, so it's, um, it's tough, you know, I mean, and then the costly interception to, uh, in the fourth quarter, from Lamar. I mean, but that was, I don't even know what that was. I uh, just desperate. just threw the ball. Yeah. Open. Yeah, exactly. Desperation. desperation. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Todd Monk is still a great offensive coordinator. Lamar's still a great quarterback. The Ravens are still a great football team. They just weren't yesterday. That's, that was just, yeah. everything just went wrong and they responded wrong to all of it. And, um, Zay Flowers, you mentioned, you know, he had a bad day. He had the fumble. He had the uh, the taunting penalty, which sparked a debate. Um, a lot of people saying, you know, they should be able to taunt their grown-ups. I agree. 
I agree. I think they should just be able to, I don't care. You're adults, you're professionals. You do what you feel like yeah. you need to do. But guess what? It's still a penalty. <laughs> it's sure. Yeah. And, and that was, and it's a rule and you're aware of the rule and you're sitting there watching that game. And when Zay flowers does that, it's like the DiCaprio meme of like, you know, like that's it. That's, 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 Tom. yeah, that's yeah. it right there. That's uh exactly. So yeah, though it, just, it is maybe even widely agreed upon. Yes. We still against the rules. We so. know it's a dumb rule. It's still a rule. Yeah, <laughs> it is a rule that doesn't disqualify it as a rule. Exactly. You have to, you have to be aware. Um, I mean, that pretty. I don't have any other thoughts on this game. It was just the, the Chiefs did. There was a there was a line of here's what the Chiefs needed to do to win this game, based on how the Ravens played, and they went above that about a, about an eighth of an inch. Yeah, just they they did exactly what they needed to do, and and they're back. Here they are again, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. There they are. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you hit it right on the head, man. I hate that the Ravens aren't going to be in there. I just, you know, the Ravens laid an egg to me. Yeah, you you hit it on the head, man. Uh, defense came out, did their thing. I mean, this is one of the better offenses in the NFL, and um, I don't think they could have done anything more than what they did. But yeah. the offense just didn't give it to them. Got close, slipped up a few times, but – just did not play the way that they have all year. You know, it's like, I mean, it, football's a tough game and every week is different, but it's like, hey, you go out and you do what you've done all season, like you're good, but they just didn't they didn't make that happen and didn't get it done. So on go the Chiefs. Hooray. On they go. And uh, on we go to the NFC Championship game to see who they'll be facing. And the Niners took this one 34-31 at home. After a wild second half comeback, the Lions came out with a spark. They were they were awesome in the first half. Uh, jumped out to a twenty four to seven lead at halftime. Uh, Jared Goff was playing pretty well. They were also just they were running the ball well. Jameer Gibbs had that nice touchdown run. David Montgomery was doing his thing in short yardage. It was uh, they were they were running the running the recipe that that's been doing it all year for them offensively and and defensively. Um, I don't know more so if it was just the Niners were out of sync still or the Lions were just really timing their blitzes right. I think it was some of both, but uh mm-hmm. Purdy was he was okay in the first half. He was he was fine. Um he had that one bad interception, but for the most part he was just okay. Dude just went off in the like I, I don't know what got into him, but he he started running the ball. I mean, he ended up with, you know, 48 yards rushing. He was 20 for 31 to end the day, 267. And this is after, like, I he, I don't know what he had in the first half, but it was not a lot. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't have the splits either mm-hmm. um, by first and, and second half. but I think it was like 60 yards or something in the first half. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that seems right. I mean, they, you squeak out one touchdown – there's not a lot of yards to, yeah. to back it up. Um, I mean, there was the, the interception, you know, that, that cost him in there, but very slow go. And, man, I, I was just kind of ready for D.C. and the Lions to ride this thing out. I mean, it was a great first half. Like you mentioned, they just have been doing what's been working. Uh, we're running the ball really well. Um, 
Jared Goff was was making plays that that he needed to, and yeah, I mean they had they had this thing going, they did, um, and it, and it was moving. It looked like we were set on them just coming out and taking care of business, but things changed. It felt like it changed after that insane Brandon Ayuk catch off the deflection. Yeah, yeah. That's when. By the way, Brandon Ayuk, I feel like he's the most underappreciated receiver in the NFL. That guy is so good. He is so crazy good, and no one talks like he only had three catches yesterday, but they were massive. <laughs> they were massive. They catches. were. Uh, he really showed up in a big way in the second half. He makes that crazy catch that gets him down there to get the next touchdown, cuts the lead in half to seven, and then the Lions collapse. So the, you get the IU catch, and then immediately they fumble the football. <laughs> the very next play from the line of scrimmage, they fumble the ball. And uh, at that point, what felt like a running game that the Niners could not get going just started going. It just – the, the the lanes were there the blocks were there it was just it was happening um Jared Goff I I like Jared Goff a lot I will not I will not uh argue against Jared Goff has stinky ability like he he can go out there and give you a stinky like uh yeah he's done it many times he gave us very stinky second half he was he was missing a lot of throws he missed a throw off a flea flicker that I, I don't think he ever got control of the ball, but he, he threw the the worst dying duck I've ever seen that probably should have been a touchdown. I don't know if you saw that one, but. Yeah, no, I mean, stuff like that. And even throws that he was making were not necessarily like right where you'd want him, no. you know? Like it wasn't like it was coming easy, even when no. the throws were, were being made. Um you know, like know. that one to Josh Reynolds that, that was dropped, and it was like, yeah, he should have had that, but it's also like, why did he throw it there? Yeah. <laughs> of all places to throw the football. Um, let's talk about the fourth down stuff, because... DC, man. Um, I don't know. I, some, of, some of that stuff, to me, what, I get why he went for it the first time. Because it's like... You know, we're not down to it yet. You know, we're we're still got a lot of game to go. This is who we are as an identity. Um, the second time, I still kind of get because their kicker is not great from the fifty-ish yard line, and that would have been about a forty-eight yard kick. But there just comes a time where you have to sit down and say, "I understand that six is more than three. But we just we really need three. <laughs> we we just yeah. really need three points. Like, well, that was the deciding factor in the game was three yeah. points. Yeah, and I, I agree with what you're saying. It's like, well, this is our identity, and they want to be consistent with that. However, that type of like, we're going for it. We're going for it. Fourth, yeah, we're going for. It. Like, you kind of have that approach when it's like there's nothing to lose. It's like we're chasing them down. Like, what's not? We got to play. We're playing to win. Yeah. Like when you, when you have a lead, you're up twenty four to seven. Just take the field goal, yeah, man. Just get point. Just add on. Just pour take it on. The points. Now, of course, it was not. Um, it was not twenty four to seven. Um, 
at that exact time, but on the first one, it was 24 to 10, you know, make it a three score game, make it a three score game. I mean, you're on there 28, like, I mean, of course you don't know what in, in this other alternate reality that exists, what could or would have happened. But I mean, with the result we have, it could have sent the game to overtime. Oh yeah. And then the Niners playing with momentum and all that, they still could have gone on and won the game, but you kick that field goal and you get it. That was the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm all for it, man. The aggressiveness and the way that their play calling is opened up because of, you know, and they kept talking about how in third and long or third and pass, you would call it, they are running the ball. And that allows them to convert some because they are playing that, hey, we've got four downs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great. But it's like, hey, if, you, if you're if you in third and eight and you are well in the one they had, like, you know, it's third and four and you run it for two yards and it's fourth and two, you're on there 28, like maybe just, maybe just take the point. Just kick the field goal. Like yeah. you had a chance to get the first down. You didn't. That's okay. Yeah. Let's take our field goal. And the missed opportunity at, at four more downs, because you don't even know you convert. You might miss it on those two. Like you may just get a shorter, shorter field mm-hmm. for the field goal, but even that's not a given. Just take the points, man. Like I, I have a, I have such a college football mind, but I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, if if this was UGA, you know, this is Kirby Smart or any team like this, I'm like, that's just you're you're taking the points, yeah. You got not to. not in not just I mean in the in a playoff game for sure, but in the regular season, if it's a game like this, you're just you're you're adding to the scoreboard. I don't know, man. It's tough, and I love DC, and I love the tenacity and the aggressiveness, but that is really hard. He took a hit in the Dan rankings. He he, we'll have to see where he ends up. We'll have to see. He may I don't know. Um, that I lo- I love the identity of, you know, we're we're gonna go for it. We're gonna be aggressive all the time. But to me, I'm like, where does where's the line of that? Because if your identity is we're gonna be aggressive all the time, then just run run four verts every play. Like <laughs> at that point, you know, like the the aggressive nature should be win the football game, right? You, Take you points know what, and win the game. Yeah, like that's. <laughs> You know what feels really aggressive, Dan? Scoring points scoring. in a football game. It feels like you so want to stupid. talk about beating somebody in a game of football. The way to beat them is by scoring points, whether it be three, six, or whatever. I know. I would. I would much rather win a football game three to two than lose a game forty-nine to forty-seven. I, I take that every day. I, I don't understand these coaches that don't that don't like points. And and it I get it. It's not a guarantee that he makes these field goals. The kicker struggled from those distances. I totally understand it. And you know what would have been funny is if the if they did have the kicker go out a couple times and he misses those field goals and then the, the Lions fans would be like, he should have went for it. This done this all year. Should have yeah. went for it. <laughs> You're right. That's probably what would have happened. The alternate universe. But uh but yeah, I just you you drive as much as you can as as in, as smart as you can with the playbook you have, and then if you if you gotta just you know get three points get three points. Yeah. You can win games with field goals. I, I know that's not 
especially when you have a 17-point lead at halftime. You can win games with field goals after that. Yeah. Well, and I think a factor that we're not even – we haven't even touched on here, Dan, is the field position game. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure, we're talking three yards. If if you get the field goal and then you kick it off, I mean, one, you had three more points. But two, you're giving this field position to them for free, you know? And you're giving them momentum. And you're giving them momentum. Like, the defense goes out, gets a stop on fourth down. Now the offense trots out there. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. There's there's momentum and there's motivation in that. But, I mean, you gave them the ball on the 28. I understand if it was a touchback, it would have come out 25. So we're only talking three yards. But then on the other one, on the 30, so it's like you're giving an extra five and the added momentum. I just – I know that this is the mindset and mentality thing, but, like, somebody's got to be crunching the numbers, seeing the percentages and saying, hey, Sounds I, like- I know – I know what we're thinking. I know what what we like to do here, but <laughs> statistically, we should consider option B here. And and maybe on the first one you kick the field goal, and like you said, if if he misses it, then on the next one you go for it, and it's now you're down by three. I kind of get that a little more. Yeah, I would know? understand that. Like but... now you're you're playing from behind. You're trying to go out and you're trying to win thing. But like when you got a lead. Just maybe, maybe kick it. You know, like I said, if he misses it, then boom. Next time you go for it. I mean, they didn't know this sequence of events was going to happen the way it did. I I wonder what the Danalytics were saying um, <laughs> on, on his clipboard. I will say the the Lions they had a stats nerd in Matt Patricia, and they they wanted the opposite of that. Well, they got him. <laughs> they got him, mm-hmm. and he's taken them to heights they have not experienced in a very long time. But. You, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. I think uh, Dan Campbell is going to have to – he's just going to have to reconsider his whole mindset in the offseason. Um, I'm not saying they win that game if they kick the field goal both times, but there's I feel pretty good about it. I've, I'd feel pretty dang good about them winning that football game. Yeah. No surprise that the Detroit Lions were last in field goal attempts per game this year. Of course, of course. <laughs> so that's and that's part of what. Who knows if this kicker's any good or not? Because they never they used still know. <laughs> still don't know. We think we he's bad. Know. Is he? I don't know. We have no idea. I oh mean, man! Well, we've got our Super Bowl. It's a rematch of a few years ago. Um, Fun fact, the last time we had this Super Bowl matchup, uh, about a month later, the world shut down. Mm, great. Well, yeah, let's so. hope that doesn't well, So this is we have to have the Chiefs lose to prevent another pandemic. Okay? I, I think so. I get Kansas City fans are excited, but let's think about the greater good here. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just not gonna happen this year. We can't have that. Can't be can't be dealing with that. Um no. This, we're not going to preview the game quite yet. We're going to save that for next week. Do get kind of a big preview. Um, th- th- I'm excited about this matchup, though. I mean, I, 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 I thought about it going into Championship Sunday. I, I don't think there was going to be a bad matchup. I I know some people are a little upset about this because, oh, gosh, we have to see Taylor Swift another game. But I'm excited for this matchup because I felt like the I these are two of the 
four or five best teams in the NFL. I, I'm I'm excited about this. I like the storylines of you know Chiefs trying to go back to back. They're kind of the new villain. Uh, this Brock Purdy led Niners team trying to trying to make it happen. Uh, Mister Relevant, love that. Um, and these are just two classic NFL franchises. I'm gonna love the uniform matchup. I'm gonna love the the colors of the hell. Like I don't know. I get geeky about that stuff, and I'm just excited. I'm just excited about. It. I think it's gonna be a good matchup. Yeah. Well, uh, George Kittle told us he'd be back. George Kittle, I think, is my favorite player in the NFL. So I'm I'm very He's excited. A cool guy. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. I'm I'm all uh, well. We won't we won't give it in, but yeah. I, uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm wishing well, one of these teams will, we'll get into it more. <laughs> I think we already know, week. but, uh, yeah, we've got our matchup. That was championship Sunday in a nutshell. What do you, what are you planning to cook up for Super Bowl Sunday? I mean, wings is customary, I yeah. guess, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like Turkey at Thanksgiving. Absolutely. It's a necessity. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll probably keep it pretty low key. Um, but yeah, I'll probably make some wings, you know, Buffalo dip, maybe around, um, like pretzels are always great, but yeah. we probably won't do anything crazy to be honest. We're, uh, I go, I go for the wings with uh, like a, like a, you got to do your classic Buffalo and then experiment with a dry rub of sort. Oh, nice. You know, experiment. And then I always, I always enjoy the spinach artichoke dip. Because it feels healthy, it's not. But it no, feels not healthy, at all. and it tastes phenomenal. It's <laughs> that's the that's the best thing you could hope for. Yeah. So that's <laughs> a always healthy my feeling story. and a a taste to match, though. Yes. Not very healthy. Mm. Well, yeah. the big game is uh, is upon us. Yeah, I I totally overlooked the fact that the Pro Bowl is happening next week. Um, the Pro Bowl games. Yes, the Pro Bowl games. I, I kind of love what they've done to the Pro Bowl. They, I mean, they had to do something. So yeah, the game, the game itself was not working. I, no. I I really enjoyed it last year, seeing all the guys just hung over, uh, with backwards visors and sunglasses playing flag football like that. That really warmed my heart. I I enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm excited to see it again. Well, yes, exciting times in the NFL, no doubt. Uh, we're preparing for the big one, and we'll get into that some more next week for sure um speaking of the big one or, or big events if you would this past week we had a hall of fame selections for um the baseball hall of fame and um yeah dana figure we'll, we'll run through this and then maybe maybe give our own thoughts with a you know dessert at the end on uh on some thoughts on the hall of fame and any general ideas around it or, or feedback for it um we'll open it up to that discussion okay here. um as the as the time goes along but yeah so we got ourselves uh four new members overall in the hall of fame um manager jim leland so he he's outside of kind of the players side of things but um adrian beltre todd helton and joe mauer uh welcome to Cooperstown, if you would, um, all deserving. Great yeah, players. no, no questions there, yeah. right? Those guys are awesome, and I think Beltran and Mauer were first ballot, right? I believe you're right on that. Yeah, yeah. 
Good for them. They totally deserve it. Yeah. I mean, the, these are all guys. The Hall of Fame can get, I don't want to say controversial, but I mean, I guess it can <laughs> in different oh, ways. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but, but these three guys, it's like, man, just baseball guys, I mean, wonderful careers. And, um, you know, it, one of the qualification, maybe not qualifications, but one of the things when you're talking about Hall of Fame players is, you know, telling the story of baseball and like where do these guys fit in. And um, especially for their respective franchises that they were mainly known for, um, these guys were pillars of oh, them for years. Dude, I don't know if a player of recent memory means more to a franchise than Joe Maurer to the Minnesota Twins. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it's cool to see somebody of that ilk and and Todd Helton and Beltre in the not quite to that degree, but in the same vein, like. It's just cool to see those fan bases get to celebrate those guys because they were awesome. Yeah, pretty cool for Twins fans and uh, for Joe Maurer. I mean, I think there's some other Twins that we probably would advocate to have also made it in, you know, but I guess we'll take Joe as a consolation prize. If Trevor Plouffe's not going to make it, yeah, might as well let Joe in. Might as well. I don't know how you don't have Plouffe in there. Um I tell you it's who just, else is uh, Mickey Mouse rankings. Yeah, for sure. I don't know how else uh, you don't have though, and this is my thing with the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's so, it's so exclusive, and I understand that's the point. But it's like if we're if what we're trying to do is celebrate baseball and the players who were great at baseball, you don't have a Gary Sheffield, an Andrew Jones, a Thurman Munson, a Billy Wagner, a Chase Utley. How? <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I feel like all of these guys can be. Maybe Andrew Jones, Thurman Munson are kind of fringe. I understand that, but like they're still very good. And and Thurman Munson has, you know, kind of his own place in the world of baseball. Um, I don't know how these guys don't get in. And, and it always feels like every year we have a, a group of you know three or four guys that are like don't get in and you're, and you're sitting there thinking like, well, there, is there really that much difference between them and the guys who did get inducted? Like, sure. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I always hear the, well, it's not the hall. Very good. Um, I understand that, but like, well, I think these guys have separated themselves. I think these guys from are better than from very, just good. very good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think these guys are hall of fame worthy. Um, so that's going to play into later what we're going to talk about. I, I want to come up with a new baseball hall of fame induction process. And we'll get into the kind of structure and maybe what would we want to see different about the Hall of Fame. But, I mean, Gary Sheffield's out. I know. Like, unless he gets a special committee vote, like, he's off the ballot now. Which is ridiculous. That yeah, guy, man. Yeah. He was a he was a top 10 hitter in baseball for, like, 15 years. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> How does he not get it, in the Hall of Fame? I know, and I know it's it's the the structure and the way they have it. You know, it's one thing to – be like, ah, well, he didn't make it in this year. But now it's just like, unless the, the special, you know, one of those special committees rolls around, like, which those he's out. never happen. Those those things never happen. Not until like fifty years down the road. Yeah, and then you're getting elected along with Jimmy Longsocks, who pitched back in the '30s and <laughs> you know had a part time job at the coal mine, 
pitched baseball in his spare time and they were like, Oh my gosh, you know, black fingers McGee. Like he was the one that threw 10 no hitters and he made five straight starts in that span. Like, I don't know. He did it while um, holding a Turkey sandwich. He's yeah, exactly. Busy. His Turkey sandwich in one hand is actually his glove as well. He would catch the balls with his Turkey sandwich and, um, pitch with the other hand, you oh know, just, I don't know. Um, so yeah, not great chances, but I hate it uh, for Gary Sheffield um, and Andrew Jones. Like he's still got time, you know. Yeah. So he's showing a lot of promise, and he is gaining votes each year. Yeah. Um, but there's still a part of me that's a biased Braves fan, 100. Mm-hmm. percent um, Wearing my Braves hoodie tonight. It's just like this is the greatest defensive center fielder that we that we have had of recent history. A hundred percent. Like maybe of all time. Yeah. And why? Why are we here? Why are we still waiting? This it's should be done already. About, it's not all about batting average, guys. Like this is No. This dude was a freak. Yeah. And he could he could still smack the thing around. Oh like, yeah. I mean Oh yeah. I know maybe not the whole time, but either way. Maybe. Okay, sorry Just, sorry that he was only good for like six years instead of sixteen. Yeah, like really, apologies. Yeah, but those six, years, apologies. those six years that he was good, he was like an alien. Like, he's... <laughs> Sorry so about annoying, it. Man. So annoying. Um, but yeah, so that also rubs me the wrong way. Um, but I guess here we are. Um, Billy Wagner, like you mentioned, he's one that I think he's like, man, just get him in there now. He's, he's one of the best closers that's ever pitch yeah, before dude. um he, he's in that same category he's right ahead of andrew jones and that they are gaining votes and will likely cross that threshold um to make it in but also billy wagner's only got one year left mm. so even though it is looking better um but still it, time is running out with the way that this is all set up um so we're hopeful that it all gets sorted next year, but it still feels like it should have just been a done deal by now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was actually wrong on that. He was two spots ahead of Andrew Jones. Um, Gary Sheffield was right ahead of Andrew Jones. Oh, so What a shame. They just marked him off the list, so you're pretty much right. Right, there's your dividing line. Yeah, um, but, yeah, so it, it stinks. Um the way it works, some of these should have been done. There's still hope for, for some guys out there. Um, there are a few there is no more hope, uh, less than 5%, and, and they're done now. They've dropped off the ballot. Um, I'll just read through the list. Any names stick out, feel free. But Jose Bautista, Victor Martinez, Bartolo Colon, Matt Holliday, Adrian Gonzalez, Brandon Phillips, Jose Reyes, and James Shields, um, all under 5%. So those guys... Their, their chances are done. Um, only one out of here really kind of gets me is Bartolo, and I get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's it's just a fan favorite thing. I, I don't know, dude. I don't think you can tell the story of baseball without Bartolo Colon, you know? I think you're right on the money. <laughs> Big sexy, baby. That's you right. You can't tell it without him. Um, one of the Bra- a Braves legend, for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that picture of him smashing a homer with his helmet flying off is yeah. like, that's history. Just put frame it, put frame it in the Louvre, dude. It was 
unreal. Put in the loop. Um, and somebody else, man, that just got, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just in a different, I'm in a different world than some of these guys. Like David Wright just barely stayed on the ballot, getting 6.2% of votes. I'm like, did, did we just forget about David Wright? I mean, maybe it's just because I'm a Braves fan and I had to watch him for all that time, but I'm like, this guy. He's a perennial all-star, like dude, every year. The gap from from Chipper to him, it is not. It's not that, that far. far. Yeah, like they're different. Career's different. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Chipper's better. Is as good as yeah. yeah. But he, I mean, he was Chipper to the Mets. He was Mister Met. Time. They literally yeah, called Mr. him Mister Met. Yeah, like. And to and do for it, a franchise that has very high standards. And has seen many great baseball players come through it. Mm-hmm. If if he can make them happy, you should be able to appease the Hall of Fame. I voters. agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what the criteria is. It, to me, it feels like you have to play for the same team for twenty five years and have a career batting average of over two ninety. That, that to me feels like the they will you will only be considered if you hit those two marks. I I, I don't I don't understand. Um, yeah, it's annoying, man. And I'm making a case for a Met to get into the Hall of Fame. I know that's how that's, that is. <laughs> you're listening to two Braves fans say like, yeah, that Met player he should probably be in. Like, there's something wrong here if that's not the case. Like something wrong. Uh, yeah. But no, Dan. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we can go ahead and talk about Roids. Okay, let's want. talk about Roids. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the other side of the Hall of Fame discussion <laughs> of as of late is uh the, the cheaters, the guys who uh did not uh keep their veins clean uh throughout the course of their career. Um guys like Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, um you know a-Rod's going to be up for debate soon. I oh, mean, he's way back, man. He's it's not looking great. I don't for him. know if he's I don't know if he's going to get in just anyway. I like even without the whole steroid thing, but that's a discussion for another day. It's Beltron, A-Rod and Manny Ramirez. They are right there with each other. <laughs> all, all steroid guys <laughs> in the same vote totals. Oh my gosh. Um You and I have different opinions on this. Um I don't think this is going to be much of a debate as much as it is a discussion of just the topic at hand because like I have an opinion, but it's not like a, I'm not taking it to my grave and I don't feel good about Mm -hmm. it, but should these guys be in the hall of fame? No. Okay. Elaborate. (laughs) I just, I mean, in what world do we, do we say like, Hey, you set all these records that you did this and it was outstanding and it was excellent and all of that. Um, you got there by unsavory means with an unfair competitive advantage. And then we're just like, Oh, but still man, let's like great career. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll let you in. And, and I'll, I understand that there is not consistency from the hall of fame. Like, you know, David Ortiz, big poppy gets in Barry Bonds. Doesn't we're like, what in the world, you know, what, what are we talking about? Yeah. Um, I totally get that. I, but I am leaning on the side of if, if you find yourself in that boat, you, you should be disqualified. You're not in this thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and it, it is one thing. It's, it's partially 
you gave yourself that unfair competitive advantage. And um, I, I have no idea what the NFL's system looks like for this. So I'm speaking totally out of context with no knowledge on it of like, if guys have ever been flagged for PEDs and made it in the NFL's hall of fame. Um, but I just feel like there's such a, such a discipline and, and a consequence that comes to a player when they step over that line. And then we're just going to try and go back and like erase it when it comes down to the, one of the greatest honors in the game of baseball. Um, that, that just feels wrong to me as, as somewhat of maybe a baseball purist in some respects. Um, so it's one, the unfair advantage behind it, but then it's two, like the guys that just did it and did it yeah. straight up. Mm-hmm. Like this hope, this may or may not turn into the whole Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron home run record debate. Um, but for me, it, it is one thing of, Barry Bonds did it while using steroids. But then it, the other side of it is for me, like, man, Hank did that, and he did it clean. Yeah. It's a nor- just a human. Mm-hmm. And, like, how unfair to him that now his, his record that in Braves country still stands, but in the grand scheme, officially is recognized as, as he's no longer the home run king. And it's because he was passed up by a guy who reached that record or, you know, overtook that record by using PEDs. And um, so it is one thing, the competitive advantage that you, the unfair competitive advantage, but then it's to the guys who did it straight up did it the right way, and yeah. just how unfair to them, you know, to, for their work now being diminished because of somebody else's decision to go and cheat and then be like, yeah. okay, we're fine with it. So I know that that's more of a records discussion, but I apply that same thinking into the hall of fame. Completely agree with you. Completely agree with everything you just said. Where I differ. Oh, here we go. Is where I look at who's making the decisions on who gets in and who doesn't and the hypocrisy therein. Yeah. These baseball writers, like the, the Tom Verducci's and the Bob Costas's and the, uh, the Buster Olneys that were around during the the late 90s boom, steroid era baseball, that were just so happy to capitalize on the popularity of the game. But baseball was never bigger than those years when, you know, long ball summer, it was just it was just a totally new feel to baseball. We were coming off a few years from the strike and this kind of rebirthed uh, an era where people were tuning into games like never before, selling out like never before. And for them to just 15, 20 years later, the same people <laughs> that were writing about these this game and being like, baseball's amazing. We're hitting, we're chasing the long ball. We've got home run record races out the wazoo. And them to turn around and just be like, well, you didn't do it properly. We're not going to let you in. Uh, that's just such Bush League to me. That That sure. is... That is where I get really frustrated here. And the and the other side of that is also kind of a hypocrisy thing I like to point out, is that, like you bringing up the Hank Aaron versus Barry Bonds kind of, kind of debate. I completely agree with you that Hank Aaron should still be heralded as the home run king. He did it clean. Barry, even though it's not proven, we all know, he, he, was, he was juicing. 
We know. No, yeah. that, that, that cannot be like, there should be no more debate on that. Like, yeah. yeah. It was, we, we never got a positive test. Sure. But we've seen his name on some lists. We, and we saw the pictures like we know he, he was. Well, and there. tell me if I'm totally wrong. Maybe I'm just speaking out of turn here, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that the thing that he was tried on in court for was perjury, which was lying about the fact that he had used PED. So it yeah. wasn't like we had a positive test, but we do have pretty, pretty good evidence. We yeah. have a court decision that was like, Hey, you lied about using PEDs. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we know. Um, but we're still counting is like in the record book for major league baseball. It's Barry Bonds, seven sixty two. So to me, I'm like, you got to do one or the other. If you're going to count his record, then just put him in. If you're if you want to keep him out, don't count his record. You know because the yeah. Hall of Fame to me tells the story of baseball, and it's not always yeah. a good story. You know that's fair. Okay, yeah, see what you're saying. And I like the idea of a dad taking his kid to the Hall of Fame, and kind of saying like, "Here's Hank Aaron. He hit 755 home runs, and he did it naturally. Here's Barry Bonds. He hit 762, and he cheated." Think about who you want to be in this world. That that to me is like, mm. oh, okay. I would not I, I, tell the entire story of baseball for better or for worse. You know, if we're, if we're going to count the records, if we're going to count Manny Ramirez home runs, if we're going to count A Rod's home runs on the list, then put them in. You know, I like if if you don't want to include them, then take their records down. I'm fine either way. I'm fine either way. Um. To me, I would still say because of those few things, I'm just they make me kind of bitter about the whole situation. I'm just like, just put them in, just put it, shut up and put them in. Then, like, um, I, I've said before, and it's not my original idea. I've heard other people say it too, but they should have a steroid wing of the Hall of Fame where they have sure. all those guys that there's pretty good evidence, like like a like a Mark McGuire and a Manny Ramirez and a and a Sosa and a Bonds and all those guys, and you can even have it shaped, have that wing shaped like an asterisk. <laughs> like it's got hallways like pointing out. It's like shaped like an asterisk. I would, I think that's a great idea. Nice. And you can have them in, but they're kind of in their own, like, you know. At the ribbon cutting ceremony, it's not yeah. a ribbon. It's like an elastic band. Yeah. <laughs> that to me is my whole thought on the, and neither of us are right or wrong. It's just kind of our, well, I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, but then I can agree with you into yeah. the extent of like it's got to be all or nothing. Yeah. Now, if they said all will take everything, he is, you know, his record is legitimate, which right now is where we are, mm-hmm. and now he's in the Hall of Fame. I wouldn't be happy about that, but the consistency of it, I could, I could, you know, understand logically and be like, yeah, you know, my my brain it it, it tracks with that. We're gonna count the record. He's in the Hall. You know where their um, stance is at that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, there's certain, I mean, I, I certainly am with you in that we kind of got to figure it out. Like, how do you have the all time home run leader by the record, not yeah. in the Hall of Fame? Um, you know, no, I would just say the record's invalid. He's not in the Hall. Boom. Case solved. You know, I'm fine with that. There we go. <laughs> I'm fine with um, that. But at the same time, like if we're going to let those things stand, we we probably should as well. That's the thing. Them, uh, have them in the Hall of Fame as well. That's the thing. Like with Pete Rose, is like he is not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but also very far from it. <laughs> according to Major League Baseball, he has never recorded a hit. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. That we know how they feel about Pete Rose. We do not know how they feel about these other guys. And I kind of just wish they had the same consistency. Um, and yeah, the baseball writers thing. I hate baseball writers. They're stupid. It's <laughs> it feels more like they're trying to choose homecoming queen than they are yes. Hall of Fame have, baseball player. Have you ever seen the video that the Zoom call that Tom Verducci leads when he when they all have their envelopes? It's the most cringe thing ever, and I hate that word. I hate saying that word, but I don't know what else to call it. It's so cringe. It's that, it's, it's so fitting word. It's so bad. He's like, you have been blessed with this decision. Uh, Buster Olney, like okay. Um, oh no, yeah. So I thought the college football playoff committee was bad. Oh, this is worse. This yeah, is worse. way worse. Um, but yeah. So we talked about kind of our stances on, you know, the steroid issue. That's a that's just kind of an always an ongoing discussion in sports. But yeah, speaking of the baseball writers, I don't think the baseball writers should technically be deciding this who gets in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so I got some ideas about how we can do this better. <laughs> Let's do it, man. I think we're open to anything at this point. So I got a little bulleted list here. First of yeah. all, we're getting rid of the whole, like, past a certain point, you can never get in again. Like, Gary Sheffield deal this year. Like, I hate that. I hate yeah. that. Yeah. That's stupid. I like the idea of a player vote. Yeah. If, if you've ever played baseball and you're bre- in the major leagues and you're breathing, you get a vote. Like, I love it. Do it every year. That's fine with yeah. me. Or better yet, if you didn't want to go track down all those guys, uh, to me, Ichiro Suzuki is like the pure baseball man, and he just gets to pick every year. They just go to him every year, and they're like, "Here's the list. You pick each. <laughs> Who's getting in, man? Yeah, Ichiro. What do you say? And, and I love it. He'll tell us. He's like the master Ugwe of baseball. You know, he's just he'll he'll know where to go. He'll know who to who, who to put in. Award show with a nationwide popular vote. Yeah, we just have like the Oscars for baseball, and they all get in a big hall, and then they come out with an envelope and they read off who's going and who's not, and sure. it's just and, and and it's voted on by us, like America's Got Talent style. We all get on our phones and and for a, a fifteen minute window, and we all we crash the MLB site, and yes. and we figure out who's going to the Hall of Fame. Tech seven for Gary Sheffield. Yes. Yeah. I'm up for that. I can make it. Yeah. Um. So Maury Povich is still alive. <laughs> so this brings up an idea to me of we go on the Maury show and he just decides. <laughs> well, we probably have a committee. Sure. Probably have a committee or Ichiro decides, but Maury, he announces. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Chase Utley. You are not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> This this is correct. These are only right answers. I I love that idea. I like the idea of just get all of the nominees and they play dodgeball, but free for all dodgeball. I mean, there's some baseball skills in there. You're making throws. You're you're shuffling. You're base running a little bit. You know. Yeah. Uh, last last four standing, they get in. Everyone else, go home. Sorry. Get out of here. Um, I'm the, up for that. Yeah, you got to catch the ball a little bit too. You know. I mean, there's some transitive properties. And this this last one. This is my favorite idea, and I think it's the best idea. Um, Billy Eichner, Billy on the street, he's just going to walk around and grab people on the street and ask them, first, do you care about sports at all? 
And if their answer is no, then move on to the next person. If their answer is, oh, yes, I'm obsessed with sports, move on to the next person. You got to find those people that are like kind of in it, but not yeah. really. Uh-huh. Like they're like, yeah, I might watch like two. I might, I might watch the World Series for like twenty minutes. You, you got to find those people. You got to find the people that are like, I, I like football, or I like basketball. You got to find those people, and then yeah. you just read off the names. And if those people have heard of them before, they get in. Because how much do you transcend the sport? How much are you getting into the zeitgeist? You know, that's that's a true testament to me of. Are you the Hall of Fame? Are you famed enough? You know? Right. It's not the Hall of just baseball minds yeah. and, you know, super committed baseball fans. It's the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I, that's what I That's what I think we're, we're running into is we got these, these baseball writers that their blood is made entirely of Diet Dr. Pepper, and they just <laughs> – they. <laughs> All they know is, well, Gary Sheffield's war over the last six years of his career just wasn't oh. quite at the right spot. And oh. I mean, wait till we talk about his BABIP. I mean, we're just not gonna. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! We're, we're two in the weeds here, man. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta peel back, and we gotta go. Are you? Did you permeate the natural culture of Earth outside of baseball enough to sure. be recognized? If that's true, then yes, you are in the Hall of Fame. I think you nailed it. Well, I, th- I think we've got a calendar year to get this in place, and, and we should start seeing some significant results. I think so. And, um, and, and have quite a bit of a shift in the Hall of Fame. Now, I guess we'll leave the guys in there. In there. Um, we won't let them get excluded. They're in, they're in the grace period. They're grandfathered in. But sure. um, from here on out, it's, it's open season. I like it. I love it. Well, that's great, Dan. I appreciate uh, you putting together – just a really novel and um, truly unique voting process for the Hall of Fame. And and I think baseball will be better because of it. I think so. I think we just completely improved the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, what do the playoff looks like? You know, how how many seconds on the pitch clock? Like, well, one problem has been solved today. Today. So we're only, we're just two guys. We're just two guys. We can't fix everything in a day. No. I mean, we already took on the tush push. The Hall of Fame. We're working towards world peace, but there's just other things on the agenda yeah. right now. So, yeah. We'll One get day. There. We'll get there. One day. Nice. Well, this has been a pleasure. Um, and as always, thank you for listening to the Lunch Hour Sports Show. Uh, we'll be in sort of uh, Super Bowl prep mode next week and um, preparing for whatever lies on the other side of the true professional, well, I shouldn't say true professional sports off season, baseball and football off season and um, college basketball will, will be, dude, we're, 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 it'll be, nah, it won't be February when this is released, but it'll be the day before. And um, March Madness is going to be right around the corner. Oh, so yeah. the train keeps them moving. Sure does. Um, so we will be back next week as always. If you guys have not already, make sure, that you like us on Facebook, Lunch Hour Sport, the Lunch Hour Sports Show. Follow us on Instagram, Lunch Hour Sports. Um, maybe some Bills and Chiefs fans joining us this week. We see you. Um, I texted Dan Sunday morning and was like, "Uh-oh, so we, so we kicked a, a, a bee's nest here." Um, the the wide right reel um, got a little got a little bit of engagement. Um, 
so we appreciate that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if you're here enjoying it because of it, uh, welcome. And we uh, appreciate you listening. But all that to say, make sure you're following us out there on social media. Um, subscribe to the podcast. If you give us a five-star rating, that would be huge. Um, because, I mean, we just did this for free. We just fixed the Hall of Fame for free. Um, a five-star review. It'd be, It'd be nice. just a thank you. Just a nice consolation. So, but thank you guys always for listening. I am Jake, joined by Dan, and we will see you guys next week.